Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Ringer Gambling Show. I'm Warren Sharp, joined by Joe House. And House, Thursday Night Football is in the books. We lost one more undefeated to the L column. What do you think about that Thursday night game before we start diving into the Sunday games? Yeah, Sharpie, the, the big theme of the season thus far has been parity. You know, only two teams without a win. And until last night, only two teams undefeated obviously the takeaway it was a terrible spot for Miami and on top of that the thing that's filling up all the airwaves today is is the Tua situation and we hit on this briefly on the Tuesday gambling show where we we kind of shared the sentiment that these Thursday games are are really a chafe and especially beginning of the season like this where there was not really a genuine preseason where the teams are still coming together and it's it's a, a true injury risk. And we said on Tuesday's show, it would be fine if Tua didn't play in this Thursday game. Now, I know that you on the Twitter machine posted a very sensible notion that like, look, you can put bye weeks on the other side of these Thursday games. If Thursday is a sacrosanct goal for the NFL, let's do it in a way that makes the guys be able to participate safely as much as possible. T- tell me a little bit more about, about that idea of, of at least the timing. 
Yeah, I, I just obviously this would preclude Thursday games from like weeks two to three or two to four uh, because there aren't bye weeks yet. So you get you go a couple weeks without um, some bye some uh, Thursday games potentially. But the thought process here is that the teams that play on Thursday should be teams that are coming off of their bye week. So they play on Sunday. And then instead of going two full weeks without playing, they go 11 days without playing. So it's only cutting it by a couple of days. You only get, instead of coming back to practice and playing on a Sunday, you come back to practice and you play on a Thursday. Um, you still get your full week off. And then you just come back and you play on a Thursday. And then you get 10 more days off and you play another Sunday game. So it's actually a great setup for the players to have two nice extended rest periods back to back. One is 11 days, one is 10 days. Um, rather than making players play on just three days of rest after a Sunday game, and I don't see why we can't implement something like this. I know that you are correct in stating the NFL is not going to get rid of Thursday games. It's a money maker. They want a game that starts the week off before Sunday. Totally understand that. Figure out a way to get the players more rest on the front end of that game. And this is really the only way possible is to let the players who play in that Thursday game be coming off of a bye. It's worth it, man. We we have to in invest in these guys. We want to see the best players play the most often and whatever uh, the, the league needs to do to make that happen. Now, uh, in terms of the merits of the game, can is there are there any takeaways from your perspective about Cincinnati? Like, looks like they've kind of righted the ship. The offensive line has settled down a little bit. They gave J Joey B some some time, and you know the connections with those uh, exemplary receivers were were in effect. Do you uh, have any takeaways from from the game, or is it just sort of a one off because of of the circumstances of of just three days of rest for Miami? I mean, that both teams were three days rest, but I mean Miami after that that brutal game against Buffalo. It's exactly like I thought. I mean, the sides here was the Cincinnati Bengals, and for me, it was the under. I like this game to go under the total. My model thought that there was two points of value here too high. So uh, at 48, I thought it was should be a couple points lower than that. But it played out like I expected it to from the perspective that the Cincinnati Bengals played a couple teams, Pittsburgh and Dallas, that played a shit ton of two high safety looks. And they were bad against that type of defense. And then they go up against the Jets, who didn't play that as much. It was one of the reasons that I thought Cincinnati Bengals would score more last week. Same thing here. This The Miami Dolphins don't play the type of defense that causes Joe Burrow as many problems in the secondary. He's able to get the ball out. You saw a couple of those deeper passes down the sideline. Um, you saw openings there where he saw guys lined up on uh, backup cornerbacks that they were able to to attack. Uh, and the offensive line did a good enough job of keeping the heat off of them. We know that Miami likes to blitz a lot. And we thought that uh, as long as Joe Burrow got the ball out quickly enough, he could negate those blitzes and find holes in the secondary. So the game doesn't change my perspective on anything. Now the real question mark is, how long is Tua going to be out for? And how does that affect Miami going forward? Because although there were people clamoring for Teddy B and he threw, that was the longest air yard completion of his career from what I was looking at into uh, that deep ball to Tyree Kill. I know he threw that nice pass, but otherwise like uh, Tua clearly is better than Teddy. And I hope that Tua can get healthy and then return to football as quickly as possible uh, for, you know, 
obviously his sake because he loves the game, but also uh, for the Miami Dolphins, and he's their best opportunity to win games moving forward. Uh, it doesn't really surprise me since he turned it around in this spot here. It's going to be interesting. They play next Sunday night against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore, and I can't wait to see how that game goes because that's a little bit of a revenge angle for the Ravens who were carved up by the Bengals twice last year. It'll be interesting to see how they play with a totally different defense coordinator uh, Baltimore has this season. Yeah, and and in between the time we're taping this now and that Sunday night, we're going to have you know another referendum game for Baltimore. The marquee game of the week is the Buffalo Bills coming down to Baltimore. It's exciting. We're going to talk about it, but a couple things, you know, headlines we like to talk about how some of the trends have been performing in the early part of the season and also, you know, how did we do last week? I'm happy. We did great last week. The teaser, we had a very sensible teaser on Denver and Green Bay. Uh that that worked out just fine. Wait, was it Denver and Green Bay? What was the 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 teaser we had that was that was very nice last week? It it, it was the Broncos and Tampa Bay. I knew there was a bay involved. It was Tampa teased up. Tampa played Green Bay. I knew well, I was talking about. We had the battle about. of the bays, yeah. Yes, I I knew what I was talking about. Uh, it was a, a balanced week in terms of totals, eight and eight overs and unders. So, um, unders continue to, to carry this, you know, sort of oversized, um, weight through the beginning of, of the year. And there's still this, you know, we, we, we like these matchups where we're looking for teams coming off of a straight up loss. And then, you know, as a smaller underdog in the upcoming week, that trend seven and three through weeks, uh, two and three. There are seven such games um, this this upcoming week, so we'll be looking at at some of these for opportunity. A bunch of them look like decent teaser legs, and that's just, I guess, what I would say is a tease into how my card might play out. Other thing we got right, I finally got bet the house right. Dallas against the New York Giants looked really good, and we're going to hit on this because I'm going back to the well. Uh, we're going to visit the Dallas Cowboys up against my C-words. Dallas is hosting them. That is that is a very uh, uh, particularly interesting play for Joe House this week. But let's just jump in, Sharpie, on this marquee game. The Buffalo Bills are favored by three points coming into Baltimore. By all accounts, with good reason, Lamar Jackson is the front runner for MVP of the league. Now, Steven Ruiz for The Ringer at TheRinger.com posted a story that a little bit of what looks like Ravens offensive success thus far is a tiny bit of smoke and mirrors. And really it's putting undue pressure on Lamar. Like the, what, what Lamar Jackson is having to do to carry this, this offense doesn't feel sustainable, but it's so crazy impressive through these first handful of weeks coming into this game. It's very rich, this matchup because the bills are depleted in the secondary, we talked about it last week. We actually had breaking news about it last week uh, on this pod. Um, let's just jump into it. How are you sizing this, this, this situation up? Well, it doesn't surprise me that Ruiz wrote that article about Lamar carrying the team because it is, it's completely true. And it's been that way for a while now. I mean, like last year we saw it, the year before, not quite as much, but when Lamar plays, he saves jobs in Baltimore. When Lamar doesn't play, this team loses games. And it's that's just the way it's been ever since they drafted him. The reality is ever since they drafted him, this coaching staff was on their way out with Joe Flacco starting. The, the owner admitted as much 
afterwards. And all of a sudden, Lamar comes in, wins enough games, goes to the playoffs, and the rest is history. Wins the MVP the very next season, comes back, takes his team to playoffs every time he's been healthy. Um, and the record with and without him is obviously clearly phenomenal when he's in the lineup. And here he is now. The last two years, this team can't run the ball worth a lick. Their offensive line can't run block, and everything is on his shoulders. He's accounted for every single touchdown that they've had. All the goodness that comes from Baltimore's offense and their ability to score points, which they've had to do a little bit more this season because of their defense not playing up to snuff, and I'm a little surprised with how their defense hasn't been quite as strong, um, has come from Lamar Jackson being great. And... There's an interesting element to this game that I think is going to like make it fascinating to watch, and that's because Lamar hasn't played a defense like this so far this season. He's played the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Patriots. This is going to be, it's wild, but the fourth game that the Ravens are going to play consecutively, just ticking off the boxes of the AFC East teams. Now he's got the Buffalo Bills. Those teams don't play too high shells at all. They blitz also at a higher than average rate. And Lamar has absolutely diced up teams that have blitzed him so far this season. That that's uh, been a, a real revelation for him, right? Yeah, he's I mean, killing he the blitz. To, he used to not have as much success. This season, he's dominating the blitz. He's the best in the NFL by a large margin against the blitz. If you ended the season today after only three weeks, he would be the best in the last ten years. Now uh, the season doesn't end today. Let's see how he does the rest of the year. But that just shows just how phenomenal he's been against the blitz. He's not going to get blitzed this game. He's not going to get blitzed at all. Last week, he had four touchdown passes against the blitz. The Bills do not blitz. And the Bills sit back in this two high shell coverage, unlike any other defense that he's played, sits back in. So it's going to be fascinating because they are getting pressure at the second highest rate of any team in the NFL, but do not have to blitz to do that. So they're not exposing their backside to open attacks down the field as much. Now, they do have weaknesses in that backside because of injuries, but it's going to be fascinating to see. Lamar has done fine. It's not like Lamar hasn't been able to beat too high coverage in the past. He's done fine against it, but it's going to be just different for him in this game. And then on the other side of the ball, I think I'll add, we talked about it on the Wednesday show. If you tuned in, I won't go into as much detail, but the Bills offense, more efficient, scoring points at a higher rate per drive. Their points per drive is better this year than when Brian Dayball was there. But they are scoring less points in the first half because Josh Allen on early downs is doing more dink and dunk against opponents. And thus, their drives are longer. They occupy more time. They have fewer drives in the first half. 14 this year versus 21 last year. So even though they're scoring at a more efficient rate, they're scoring fewer total points because last year they just ran through teams a lot quicker. They either scored touchdowns or a couple of punts. And as a result, they scored more points in the first half. They had more leads at halftime. They had the ability to just close out games easier in the fourth quarters last year than this year. So I think this game's going to be entertaining as a result. I'm interested to see, does Ken Dorsey decide to attack in a different capacity or do they continue with this dink-dunk style offense against this Ravens defense? And does the Baltimore defense look any better if they allow that many points to Mac Jones? What's it going to look like here? Then you got the concerns with weather. I mean, this is there's a lot going on in this game, House. There's a shit ton of stuff going on in this game that makes it really interesting to watch. But um, at the end of the day, I'm not so sure that we're going to like be able to look back and take a lot out of this game to like teach us for the future. 
but I am really excited to watch this one play out. Yeah, so, so the number now is three. It had been three and a half for quite a bit of, of this week, but it's now Buffalo favored by three coming into Baltimore. The total is 51, and it hasn't moved. The thing that I am going to do probably while we're still recording this, when you go on to one of your explanatory uh, moments here where I have two minutes to jump into my uh, book and, and fire off is get the under because the point you just made about the weather, it is going to be bad weather. It's going to pour rain. It's going to start here. We're, we're here not that far away from Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, and I'm telling you, it's going to start pouring tonight. And I don't feel like it's going to stop until possibly Monday. Um, bunch of water pushing up the East Coast. And I don't know why the number is still sitting there at 51. The weather forecast is is pretty clear. It's also going to have s- some wind in it. Um, I will. I liked Baltimore even more at three and a half. The three still feels actionable. A bunch of very positive trends for Baltimore in this spot. Um, Lamar is five and zero against the spread as a home dog. Obviously, uh, John Harbaugh has been very good as well. Eleven four and one against the spread. Baltimore has been um, under John Harbaugh in a home dog kind of position. And then there's some trends working against uh, Buffalo because of the weird tilt to that game last week, that 90 offensive plays that they had teams coming off a game like that, uh, that are favored in the next situation. Don't tend to cover the spread very often. I think the number I saw is something like four and 14 since uh, 2000, some crazy number like that. Do you have any feel for side or total on this one? I don't. I don't because Baltimore is just such a different like everybody says, well, Baltimore should have the advantage in this game because they are the run team. Well, their backs don't really run the football much. So, yes, Lamar is going to have to run the ball potentially a little bit more if the weather is bad and the Bills have struggled to run the football. You know, this this is not the Ravens of old where this would definitely give them a massive edge here. Um, It might hurt the Bills a little bit more, but the Ravens are a downfield passing team. Like they're not this super efficient underneath team. And that's apparently what the Bills have morphed a little bit more into. What is fascinating here is this is all I'll say on the side total. Sean McDermott was pissed with Brian Dayball after multiple poor weather games in Buffalo last year that this team couldn't run the ball as efficiently and came out publicly after those games and said those comments directly to the media, how disappointed he was in their ability to win up front after that Patriots game with the win, after the Colts game with the rain, and he was really upset. I'm going to be fascinated to watch this is the first chance this season that Buffalo will be playing in weather conditions that are less than ideal what does this offense look like? What is their strategy? And what will Sean McDermott say afterwards if it doesn't go their way? Mm, very rich. I love it. Yeah. Somebody's keeping receipts out there. His name is Warren Sharp. I love it, baby. <laughs> Let's jump into this next one. Another game potentially impacted by weather, although it might be the case that the system is gone. We're looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This line has moved by far the most over the, the course of This week, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are now favored by one point. They are at home in Tampa. They didn't have to move the game. The team practiced down in Miami because Miami was far enough away from the weather system. The total is 45 and a half. I was all over the notion of of Tampa as a teaser leg this week, but now they're favored. And I'm like, wait a minute. Am I going to play the Chiefs as a teaser leg? The number right now is, is Bucks by one. And, you know, there's a bunch of good uh, stats that support the, the Bucks 
in in an underdog kind of position with with Tom Brady. I don't have a feel for you know how this um, matchup is going to go down, other than. I think both of these, we know that Tampa Bay is like a properly rated defense. I feel like Kansas City has has quietly had a pretty good defensive season thus far. Um, we've really only seen the Kansas City offense get rolling in, in week one. Uh, they, they, they they decimated, who was it? They, they, they crushed Arizona, blew them out, 44 point uh, uh, week one. They haven't really, they scored 20 with a defensive t- touchdown. Uh, against uh, um, the Chargers, 27, but 20 on offense, 27 total, 20 on offense, and then 17 on offense against the Colts. So I I, I don't know if if we're saying, is there something wrong with the Chiefs uh, offense? But this is not a get healthy spot for any offense because Tampa's defense has been so impressive. That game last week against Green Bay, very much according to script, a super duper under 14 to 12 outcome. Um, Total here is 45 and a half. I mean, I feel like that's just a lot of respect for uh, the Chiefs. It's basically like a, a, a protection number for, for, for Chiefs offense that at any moment can, can explode. How are you sizing up this matchup? And, and more particularly, what the hell's going on with the line? Why did it move four points? Well, it, it was a soft Chiefs being favored. Um, I think with the receivers coming back healthier for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, and some very sharp money coming in on Tampa Bay's side. That's brought the line back down to a pick'em. And the thought process is like, you know, what what did the what against the Indianapolis Colts on the road did the Chiefs do that should warrant this number? I know the look ahead was the Chiefs to be favored by one, one and a half, but they did not look super impressive. Now they probably should have won that game based if if the game's played out multiple times and just the high leverage plays get set and those dials get turned to normalize, uh, the Chiefs are going to win that game. You know, the the Colts got a little bit of luck uh, starting from the very beginning of the game with the muff punt, but a variety of other things occurred in that game that helped them. Um, But I agree with what your point was earlier, which was that the Chiefs defense is a little bit better than some people expect. And, And my general takeaway on this game is that uh, much like I like the under and integrated as such, Last week, when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played the Green Bay Packers, it's like, how in the world could a Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers total be set this low? And it absolutely was warranted. My point in this game is, how could the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers point total be set this low? And I think we're seeing a little bit of over money come in to the market, but I think that this total is completely warranted. And in fact, now the game's back in Tampa Bay and it's not being moved to Minnesota. I mean, I think this total should be under. I think this total should be lower. The total's moving higher. At You can get a 46 at a couple of spots. I think that's a great number to take. Now, 46 doesn't land very often, so maybe you wait until it gets a 47 if, if, it, if it happens to. But like we know that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they had been a little bit more leaning into the run game, uh, especially on first downs. And... They didn't fare so well against the Green Bay Packers run defense, which ranked dead last in the NFL last year. They were terrible uh, running the football last week against the worst run defense in the NFL over the first few weeks of the season. Now they're going to be going up against the Chiefs, 
who just tangled with Jonathan Taylor, they held him to a 30% success rate on early downs and just 3.8 yards per carry. And Jonathan Taylor is a better back than Leonard Fournette. So I think they're going to have success, the Kansas City Chiefs will, at slowing down this run game. I'm expecting Tom Brady to have to lean a little bit more into this short passing game. Both of these defenses employ the cover two shells at top five rates in the NFL. So they're both going to be kind of sitting back there, forcing the opposing quarterbacks to work the ball underneath. And, you know, one of my concerns, the, the only main concern that I have with the Bucs, everybody's talking about the Bucs defense is great, the Bucs defense is great, and yes, they do rank as a good defense. A, they haven't played very many good offenses, although against Green Bay, they finally faced one that was decent, albeit without any real receiving threats that are going to really like scare you completely. But the Bucs have the num number seven highest blitz rate on early downs in the first three quarters, but they're getting pressure at the number 31 rate in the NFL. The Bucs, if you dig into their numbers, Look at what they do from a pressure perspective in the fourth quarter of games versus the first three quarters. It is wild how much pressure this team generates in the fourth quarter. But in the first three quarters, they just aren't getting there. And we saw that against Aaron Rodgers on these early downs in the first three quarters. Aaron Rodgers went 15 of 17 on early downs in the first three quarters, 8.4 yards per attempt, plus 0.28 EPA, 53% success, one touchdown and no interceptions. But they weren't leaning into that as much. They actually called 51% run plays on these early downs. And we know that like, yes, they do tend to run the ball more, the Packers do. And, and, and yes, they had been getting efficiency out of that run game, but this is a very good run defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they completely snuffed out that rushing attack. Green Bay should have leaned more into the passing attack. Green Bay should have not been running the ball like they typically do as often as they did against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they saw that this early down passing was highly efficient. They should have leaned more into that, but they didn't. And I think that's not going to be an issue for the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to lean into this passing game on early downs and try to attack a defense that is not getting a lot of pressure on those early down situations. This is I, it's fascinating that the Shaq Barrett comes out and talks all this shit about how he doesn't think the O-line is improved for the Kansas City Chiefs. He thinks they're going to have a coming out party as edge defenders and get a lot of pressure on Patrick Mahomes and really mess up this offensive line. I mean, I, I'm not so sure this offense is better and this offensive line, particularly against pass protection, is better than what the Bucks faced in that Super Bowl where they were facing a lot of backups in that game. So yeah. Um, I, I'm fascinated to see that matchup, especially after that trash talk house. And in general, I think this game is going to be must-see TV, but I do think it's going to be back and forth. I think it's going to be lower scoring. I think um, it might be slightly down in pace, and I, this could be a one-possession type game here. Uh, I don't see it going 33-9 to nine or whatever it was, like the Super Bowl was. Um, I do have concerns about this Chiefs offense. I think they've got some edges if they stick to their script, but... I don't know. There's something going on there with the with the Eric Bieniemy and Patrick mm. Mahomes. And he's I not know. that comfortable. He's not yeah. that. I mean, this is they had their issue in the AFC Championship game. A, a big blow up at halftime occurred in that AFC Championship game, and then it's only after three weeks to start the season. So we're talking like literally, although months have occurred in the sure. process, four games they've had two like incidents at halftime heading into that halftime where there was issues between. Eric Bieniemy and Patrick Mahomes, and that's not good. And clearly, whatever time elapsed during that gap between the end of the last season and this season, 
did not heal anything between those two guys, and they're still having issues. So that that's not something good that you want to see if you're a Chiefs fan. Well, if you're going to glass half full that, you say that's family, and family has disagreements sometimes, and you know they both want the same thing, and you can get passionate about how you're trying to accomplish your goal. Uh, you didn't mention in 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 the assessment of this what I thought was going to be one of the lead items. You know, the NBC is teasing this thing with the Neil Young song, Old Man, Old Man, Look at My Life. Do you think that Tom <laughs> Brady will tolerate being called the old man in this situation? Any ad- additional motivation for Tom Brady out of this thing? He He's the old man to, to Mahomes? Like, he, he kind of handled his business uh, satisfactorily in that Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Yeah, he did. I I you know, I Tom know. is Tom is a freak show. Whatever he can use <laughs> his motivation, I'm sure he's going to give it a shot. Um, All right, we'll, well, we'll see how he goes. I, I'm I'm mainly kidding, but now I'm going to get serious. Uh, and you really hit on two of the components of this that I I make me want to do this. The Chiefs, I can tease from one to seven. I get through the three. I get on the seven. You, you, your conviction is a one-score game. I share that point of view. Your conviction is a lower-scoring game. I share that point of view. I like teasing and getting up to the seven in a game that that has a, an under kind of vibe, especially with Mahomes at the wheel, right? If if it if if he has the ball at the end of the game and I need a score to get me inside of my seven, I feel good about that kind of a scenario with Patrick Mahomes. Do you want to talk me out of the teaser leg now? I would wait. Wait, he says. Okay, I, I, I would. I would wait. I think that this game closes Tampa Bay the favorite. So you well, will get one more now, value. Oh, you, you're, what's your book showing? Pick them. Pick them. And I have one. I have Tampa by one. But you do you think it'll go up to one and a half? Let me ask that. Tampa favored by one and a half. Is that a possibility? I, I do. I do. Okay. I really okay. Do. Yeah. It's a wait. Everybody, you heard it. It's a wait. We're taping this Friday. It'll be out Friday afternoon. Wait. Just watch Tampa. Watch that number climb up and then jump on this teaser leg. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! The slate is is delightful this week. Thank God, week four. Uh, the game of intrigue, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, baby, they're getting top of, uh, of the show treatment. Jackson, Jacksonville Jaguars getting six and a half points at Philadelphia, the total is 45 and a half. Who could have thunk? Who would have guessed? Here we are, the Jags. Now, you know, 
coming into the season, there was a lot of positive sentiment about Doug Peterson and what he could deliver to Trevor Lawrence. And they brought in some uh, talent at, at the skill positions to help Trevor along. But it looks like it's translating immediately into a kind of order for the team on both sides of the football. I think they're in the top five, top 10 on both sides, offensive and defensive DVOA by, by that measure. And Trevor Lawrence is having a very efficient season, both on an EPA basis and a, a completed passes over expectation. C-P-O-E. I can get into that lingo, Sharpie. There you go. Uh, we know the Eagles are good. They, they've they only had to really play uh, a half against uh, Washington. They scored all their points in the first half. They did the same thing um, in, in the previous week. Uh, the only undefeated team in football, but it feels like six and a half is is a lot. Um, I like the Eagles. I've been impressed by them. We had good feelings for them in the futures market. I know you've got tons of exposure, but the way Jacksonville's showing out, there's this is kind of an op- opportunity for a statement ca- game out of the Jags, which I'm I'm kind of vibing on. What's your sense on this one? Yeah, it, it needs to be. Um, I can't envision Doug Peterson not getting his schedule in May and finding out when he's playing the Eagles because we knew that they were going to be playing the Eagles circling that game and starting then to immediately drop some plays that he's going to use, especially mm-hmm. knowing that it's in the first month of the season, uh, week four of the year. I really believe that he, he's, he has to have felt slighted. Anybody who gets fired, it's not like his contract was up and he left mutually. You know, like He was fired from Philadelphia because primarily he could not make Carson Wentz work. He got a beaten up old jalopy, eventually was like handed to him, and he couldn't win track races with this thing. And as a result, it's like, no, the jalopy's not the problem. You're the problem. Get get, get out of town. And I, I can't envision somebody who is a proud and good coach taking that lightly and saying, yeah, you know, you're probably right. It's probably time for me to move on. Like anybody's going to be disappointed with when something like that happens. And he might be happy with the current situation that he finds himself in. Um, I'm sure he would have also enjoyed coaching the three and O undefeated Philadelphia Eagles this year, uh, if 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 they were three and O under his watch. But the point being, um, I think he's going to come back with something here that's going to come out and try to wreak havoc on this defense. The challenge is going to be passing the ball on late downs against this defense, which has been extremely good defending late down passes. They're going to have to pass the ball more on first down to have some success here. This is an offense improving and transcending and, and moving up, but um, it's going to be a tall task in this game against the Seagulls defense with also playing a second uh, opponent, which is the weather. And we're going to have potential for a little bit of weather in this game as well. Just like the Baltimore game, I don't think it's going to be quite as bad as Baltimore, but it's to be determined. It's still a couple of days out, but it definitely does look like we're going to have some light rain in the forecast, and then we'll just see if the winds are worse than 15 miles per hour? Because if it's 15, it's not terrible. How often are these gusts occurring? And 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 could it be more than 15 or less than 15? That'll really uh, determine whether or not there are going to be some points in this game. But I definitely think that this is going to be a, a important game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. On the other side of the ball, I just, I just, this Jaguars defense has looked really good, has looked really good. But they've also played a couple of offenses 
that don't seem to be functioning really well right, right. now in the terms of the Indianapolis Colts in week two, where they looked great. And then last week against Justin Herbert coming back, probably playing when he shouldn't have played uh, a team that can't run the football to begin with going up against a run defense and, and, and Justin Herbert throwing everything short. And they could really kind of identify what they needed to do in that game. I think this is going to be a different type of game, but what's wild and fascinating to me, unlike the Buffalo Bills, neither of these teams have really had to quote unquote, like call their good plays in the second half. They haven't had to put a lot of stuff on tape because they've been up so big right. in the first half of these games. They've got a lot of stuff saved and banked away that they could potentially utilize in a close game in the second half that they haven't had to bring out. And that's what's so important and so vital that like more of these teams need to focus on. And I, I really do think like I'm getting back to the Bills, but like the Bills as well, is building those leads early in the games. Not only does it make life easier for your players later in the game and more likely for you to win a game, but it also does not make you roll out so many plays to put on tape so that the opponents can figure out what some of your tendencies are going to be. Um, and that's the number one thing that defenses can get an edge on offenses is when they understand what play might be coming based upon tendency. So we haven't seen either of these teams be tested in the second half. They've had such large leads at halftime the past couple of weeks. I just want to see four full quarters from both of these offenses and see what they put out there on the field. I think it's going to be another one of these great games that I really wish was not going to be hampered by weather. Yeah, well, the the you mentioned it. The juicy angle to me is indeed um, the Jaguars' run defense against what we all consider the Eagles as, as, as a top-tier uh, rushing attack potentially, and and you just mentioned it. Both both of the Eagles games, they scored twenty four points against the Vikings in the first half. They scored twenty four points in the first half against the 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 Sea Words. The, 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 yeah, I'm gonna leave it. You right almost there. said it. <laughs> I did. Well, I I was gonna use another version of it, but I'm not. I I refuse. I refuse. Um, and you know that they're they've been in the they had they've had the luxury of just letting their defense you know dominate in the second half of both of those games. The Peterson part of it is very juicy. That is a very rich angle. I don't have a lean um, in terms of, you know, a strong conviction here, but I'm going to play something tiny on the um, uh, the Jags just because I want it to be, you know, inside of a touchdown kind of thing. Just a tiny thing. Some respect for, for, for Peterson and for Jacksonville. And the total... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll wait and see um, how exactly how that weather forecast plays out because 45 and a half is like just kind of a, a meh total, I think, right? Yeah. No, the totals dropped a ton from where it was earlier in the week, and it's basically entirely due to the weather. Um, so this game's going to be tough. If if the weather is there, both of these defenses could make life difficult for the opposing offenses. Um, and really, the tone's going to be set early in this game. I, I think like that that first quarter first three drives of this game are going to dictate what we're going to what we're going to get here and that's the way a lot of totals end up going um in the NFL but particularly when you're playing in weather conditions like it's interesting to see how the coach game plans for it and what he calls early in the game and then does he make any adjustments on his second drive and, and then you can really do some live betting based upon that um mm. it, from my experience i like it i like it well uh we're going to leave the east coast and all of the hurricane impacted potential situations i want to go out to the west coast the monday night game it is the battle for the nfc west division 
crown uh, because these are really the only two contenders as we all uh, sized up and imagined. San Francisco has some issues. So it's the Rams are going to San Francisco. The Rams are getting one and a half points. The total of this game is 42 and a half. That is a very juicy teaser leg for Joe House, especially with that low total. Uh, But, you know, this is a thing where Kyle Shanahan has um, over the last handful of years really owned Sean McVay. He's eight and three uh, against the spread, seven and two as an underdog uh, and had beaten McVay, Shanahan had six times in a row until the NFC championship game. Um, Now, Kyle Shanahan in a favored position and that's not, he doesn't have a great track record uh, as a favorite. Um, Those are just sort of the the trend aspects of it. I watched that um, San Francisco-Denver game uh, intently with with, with great um, interest. I wanted to see something out of San Francisco to uh, make me believe in them as a potential division winner, as a potential uh, uh, deep run into the playoffs. I thought this could be the game where Jimmy G clicked in with this offense and then Trent Williams got hurt and uh, they were really wrecked by that. Um, and and Denver, good good on Denver. Uh, Hacky Hackett made it work. Um, they scored uh, just enough points to, to pull it out. Was that 11 to 10? Was that the, the yes. final? Yes, yes. Uh, deeply under. But I'm worried about San Francisco. Um, and I'm not in a position where I'm going to invest very much in them until we see them right the ship a little bit. What's your perspective on this one? Well, the Trent Williams deal does loom large in my, in, in my opinion, in this game, because a lot of what I think is going to happen in this game comes down to pressure and who can survive the pressure from the opposing defense. I like both of these defenses in this spot, hence yeah. a reason why I kind of like the under and why the total is ticked down all the way to 42 and a half. Keep in mind for totals that 43 is a pretty key number. So if it does tick back up to 43 and and you agree with our analysis that I'm going to share here, uh, you could join that party on the under. But here's the one thing about Trent Williams is really going to matter. I looked back over the last year and four weeks, uh, all all of the time that Jimmy G has been in San Francisco the last since 2021. um, This team is the most sensitive team on offense to taking a sack. If they do not if they are not sacked on a drive, they have a 28% punt rate, which is the ninth lowest of any team, meaning they're not punting the ball on over 70% of their drives. But if they take even one sack on a drive, that changes and they now have a 60% punt rate, which is the fifth highest of any team. This offense, although they can be explosive, they try to hit some explosive plays underneath. They are one of the best teams in Yak. That is not really built from over to overcome third and 13, second and 15, things where they're really behind the sticks. They just end up not faring nearly as well as even league average in those situations, whereas they're a top 10 team when they're not taking a sack. And no Trent Williams means that Jimmy G's going to have to get that ball out quickly on pass plays. I would envision they might try to figure out a way to offset that. You do have a fullback there that's really good. You do have George Kittle there. Like, there's going to be some other ways to assist Jimmy G in this spot. But Trent is a 
He's a stud. I was so happy. You know, he was in D.C. for a while, yeah, House, yes. and I'm sure you I'm loved him there. I'm very aware of this. Yes, he, he, I did was, love It him. was a, a bad, bitter divorce that occurred there, and I'm so glad he's landed somewhere that he's valued and he's showcasing his talents because he's a really good player. Um, but his loss is going to factor in big time. Now, Matthew Stafford has not had a lot of success against the 49ers last year. Obviously, they played him three times. Um, his success rate is massively different. His yards per pass attempt, 8.1 against anybody besides the 49ers, only 6.9 against the 49ers. His sack and interception rate is 11% against the 49ers. It's about half that. It's like 6% against anybody else. He gets pressured more. Uh, he throws more interceptions against the Niners than anybody else. And this Niners defense is actually healthy now. You know, when they played in the playoff game, this was not as healthy of a defense uh, for the 49ers. And the Rams O-line is not quite as strong now as it was during their Super Bowl run last season. I, I think this is going to be a a great game, a fun game. I love both of these primetime games. I think that they're important from a uh, win-loss perspective, and they're also going to be close games, which is what the lines indicate in both of these. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess you just have to bet as to whether or not you think that what Kyle Shanahan has done is a matchup. He's taking advantage of a scheme on his offense that this defense doesn't match up well against. And he's able to impose his will. And if that's the case, it's hard not to like the 49ers here. But certainly with a total this low, teasing the Rams is a good option as well. And uh, and so that could be a decent teaser leg for you. There we go. I knew you would get to it and make me feel good about <laughs> myself. We're going to do it. I absolutely believe in the teaser leg here. These games are always close. They always come down to a field goal. Let me get through the, the three and the seven here and, and have a nice little cash on, on, on Monday night. That'll be a great way to kick off the week. Well, speaking of uh, in the week, let's have uh, other, other things to feel good about. The Urban Meyer Horny Dog of the Week. I have this game circled as uh, an opportunity for a handful of reasons. The research uh, across the board um, it supports it. The Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals, who... Everybody has sort of rightfully faded this season, thought they could be in for a bit of a down season, especially with yeah, D. Hopkins out through the first six uh, games of, of this season, that they were going to be taking their lumps. They started off the season against Kansas City, Vegas, and the Rams, all playoff teams, all heavy hitters. You know, big challenge. They 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 managed to to steal one from Vegas. So they're they're one and two, but easily could be 0 oh and three. On the other side of that, the Panthers are are one and two, and they faced Jacoby Brissett and the Browns and Daniel Jones and the Giants and Jameis Winston with his messed up back. In the Saints, the Carolina defense has been decent. It's been keeping them in games. But now we're looking at uh, a, a situation where you, you have Matt Rule and Baker Mayfield as favorites in a football game. And that combination, to me, feels like opportunity. This is the best quarterback that the uh, uh, Panthers will have faced. I think that that the Cardinals should have been favored in this game. Shout out to uh, Brandon Anderson, the the Action Network. Matt Rule three and ten against the spread as an NFL favorite. He's failed to cover seven times in a row and lost every one of those games. And he's lost every. Uh, he's three and ten. Straight up, if you if you uh, 
look for this opportunity. Rule and, and Mayfield as favorites. Kingsbury, quietly, good as an underdog. 19-9-2 against the spread over his career. 6-0 and against the spread and straight up last year. So that was like the surprise last year with the Cardinals. Where are all these wins come from? They were good as underdogs. I love them in this spot. I think that that uh, uh, Kyler against this Carolina defense has some opportunity. It's all on Kyler. We've watched it now for for three straight weeks, but I think it's 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 a, a good opportunity to get on um, the Cardinals and more than anything fade Baker and the 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 Matt Rule situation. What what's your what's your view on this one? I just, I'm looking back at the history here, okay, it's amazing to me how much success the Carolina Panthers have had against this Arizona Cardinals team. And it, I mean, it's it's wild. These two, two teams obviously are not in the same division, um, but they've played each other three straight years. And three straight years, Cliff Kingsbury has been the Cardinals coach. And the Panthers have won 38 to 20, 31 to 21, and 34 to 10. They've put up at least 31 points every single year the Panthers have against this defense. And the Panthers have had QB issues all these years. Um, They are dealing with Matt Rule has been there the last two years, and he's won 31 to 21 and 34 to 10 over Kingsbury in these spots. One was in Carolina, one was in Arizona. And then if you go back all the way to 2014, because they played a few times before then, 6-0 6-0 straight up, 6-0 ATS for the Carolina Panthers against the Arizona Cardinals. I'm not quite sure how this has occurred. I don't really care that much about 2014, but I certainly do care about what's happened the last couple of years um, where the Panthers have had matchup edges. Now, the concerning part to me is Baker Mayfield starts and ends there for me because I was on the Panthers last week. I did not think the Saints were going to get pressure unlike they have in the past. That was one of my angles for taking the Panthers. I thought Baker wouldn't be pressured. Baker has great splits with and without pressure. Baker wasn't pressured that much and he still shit the bed, looked absolutely terrible, was disgusting. And I'm just happy that they escaped with the outright win um, to cash the ticket. But it was gross, and I felt like at any point in time, they were going to give it away because of how badly Baker was playing. Um, The Cardinals are going to blitz. The Cardinals are going to try to get pressure. I don't know if they're going to have success here. I could not take the Panthers here, but I just don't know about this history of the Panthers and Matt Rule having success over Cliff Kingsbury. Um, Does he, is he playing a certain way against Kyler? Does he know how to slow him down? Like, I, I don't, I don't think so, but. Um, this is a decent defense of the Carolina Panthers. They have some fast backers. I'm interested to see what ends up happening. Sharpie, I, I hate to keep beating the teaser drum, but with a total this low, 43 and a half, what you just said about Baker, I mean, I can get the cards up from one and a half to seven and a half. And we know for sure that Vance Joseph is going to blitz the living daylights out of Baker Mayfield and dare Baker to do something about it and you just hit on the key point what confidence should we have in baker's ability to navigate that so that is the way that i'm sizing up this horny underdog this week uh unless you you you, you throw your body in front of me yeah i i can't i can't argue i mean i can't argue with that at all i don't know how long you're going to be able to get a teaser here because this line is shifting back towards the arizona cardinals taking oh. a bit of money so oh. that's one I told you to wait on the Bucks. Yeah. If you're sorry, wait on the Chiefs if you want to tease the Chiefs because I think the line's going to move towards Tampa. 
I say do the opposite here. You would want to fire soon rather than wait. Fire soon. Well, I have as my favorite play of the week, one that I've already fired on, and that is Dallas Cowboys laying three points at home against the Washington Seawards. The total there is 41 and a half. This is a two-sided coin for me. Obviously, I, uh, in my DNA, in every fiber of my being, intensely dislike the Dallas Cowboys and root for their uh, failure with a frequency, but this season, under these circumstances, they were very good to me on Monday night. They played exactly the kind of complete game that I imagined when I was convened on this podcast with you last week, anticipating especially that defense getting after Daniel Jones. Now, I will say this. Daniel Jones actually kind of impressed me, especially with his legs. He was creative. He did extend drives. He did make plays where in instances where it didn't look like anything was possible, but that Dallas defense was relentless. They would not stop coming. And how about this? I am ready to go out on a limb here. I thought it was perhaps the best called game on the offensive side of the ball that I've seen Kellen Moore call in his entire duration as, as offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I know last season they beat the hell out of bad teams. They just ran. There was like a track beat. They ran, ran up points and everything. So obviously a little bit of hyperbole here with Kellen Moore. But for uh, the, 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 the position they were in, trying to create the best scenario for Cooper Rush, I thought the balance was really good. The balance of, of, of Pollard, the balance of Ezekiel Elliott, the balance of run to pass, the down-the-field pass opportunities, the short pass opportunities. I just thought it was a very well-called game. On the other side of the coin, the C-words. I mean, what is there to say? Nine sacks, the worst of Wentz, the very worst tendencies of Carson Wentz, holding on to the ball too long, fixating. Everything that everybody said coming into the season, it's all a thousand percent true. The offensive line is in a shambles, and there's a good story that's up on The Athletic right now. Ben Standig did a little bit of a deeper dive into how Washington conceptually has compromised its depth. It has uh, depth problems on the offensive line and the defensive line and in the secondary. They compromise a lot of that in the pursuit of Carson Wentz, so that's why you see uh, the the Eagles come out and get five sacks in the first quarter against that Washington offensive line. I don't see Washington, you know, riding the ship, even though this is the second consecutive week that they're going up against a team on short rest. I just don't see it. I think that there is a failure in terms of preparation and concept on the Washington side that they're not going to get straight in time for Dallas. Dallas just, you know, three points at home. Yes, I'm in, I support it. I'm, I'm playing the Dallas Cowboys. That is on my card this week. Tell me why that's stupid. I think a sharp position is the opposite direction on Washington. However, everything that I personally believe about Carson Wentz is going to lead to some problems for Washington. Um, I completely agree with your concern about how he's going to stand up on the road against the Dallas Cowboys and this pass rush. He has the pocket presence of pocket lint. You reach your hand into your pocket. <laughs> you're going to be able to grab some because you know it's always there. And that's exactly what he is. You, he's always back there behind the offensive line. You know exactly where he is, and you're going to be able to grab him. You get his hand, your hand on him. Reach out your hand. He'll give you the ball. Uh, it's, 
it's mind boggling just his awareness in the pocket. Um, I absolutely think that that's a, 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 a difficult spot for him in this game. Like you said, they've got the Dallas Cowboys have gotten after everybody uh, this season. And so I think it's going to be a tough game for their offense that has scored on only nine of 38 drives, which is 23.7%. That's 31st in the NFL. So, and they're going to have to figure a way to overcome Carson's issues in this spot because they are going to be under relentless pressure. And it certainly didn't fare well for them last week. It did not. And I don't, well, well I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that there's some sharp money on Washington, but it just feels like that's a contrarian kind of angle. And it has to do with some trends that support, you know, Dallas on, on short rest kind of situation. I just, I just think it, the Washington has been out coached um, every week of the season thus far. Uh, even, even that Jaguars game where that Washington won, I thought Doug Peterson, had had the Jags in good position. Uh, I'm firing on Dallas. I feel good about it. I have some exotics cooked up. You know how 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 I like to you know get a little bit juicy. But before I jump into that that mess, um, what kind of things are you looking at? What you have any games on this card circle this week? Well, I I think I gave people some really good direction as to a couple of the games we talked I, about. Some I of agree. the prime, some of the some of those primetime games. Um, I think. Don't bet them because they're because they're under uh, in prime time. But uh, I like the under angle there. And if you can't get full game, grab the first half. Uh, I think even 20 and a half could provide some value in that Niners Rams game. Uh, but one that we haven't talked, I'll just mention really quickly. Uh, and that is the Browns Falcons game. Just just pay attention to this game. Could be one of the most fun games at 1 p.m. Is going to be in good weather because it's inside of a dome. And these are two offenses that I think are being pretty underrated. They're being very well coached. They have very good offensive lines. They're creating explosive gains, whether on the ground or through the air. And uh, I am surprised that this thing, that you can grab a 47 here. I think going over 47 is a pretty good bet, in my opinion. Okay, over 47 in, in what might be a track meet. And, and right, I think both of those offenses, they're definitely like top five DVOA by some of the advanced metrics uh, for sure. And we've been touting, especially um, the innovation on the Atlanta side. Arthur Smith's got the, the offense kind of cooking there. So, okay, that's a fun one. Nice over there. Uh, I'm going to try and keep this a little bit simple. I've teased that there are teaser legs that I, that I like out there. I'm going to play a money line parlay. I have three... Um, home favorites that I think are are you know important situations for all, all three of them. It's just a three leg or money line parlay. Got me up to to, to plus two oh nine, so that's better than two to one odds. It's the Steelers at home against the Jets. It's the Cowboys at home against the Seawards, and it's the Packers at home against New England. The game we play when we play money line parlay with House is who's going to mess this up for House. Um, of those three legs on the money line, which one of those do you feel is most risky? Because of the offense, I believe the Steelers is, but yeah, I do I think it. that the Steelers are the side in this game, and 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 I kind of like the Steelers here. Okay, I good. just don't have confidence in Zach Wilson in his first game back. Yeah, who 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 could who could? Um, I feel good about that one. Uh, also, doing just a, a a small teaser, two legs. Now I'm I'm. I really may yet fire on the Chiefs. Uh, I, I am going to do what you suggested, which is wait and, and get that up to one and a half. Um, and I, I have to get on this this Cardinals thing. We'll put it in. I already have it in. Uh, Cardinals plus seven and a half. 
And then the Broncos, this is an interesting opportunity, I, I, I think, for them. They are a two-and-a-half-point underdog against the winless Raiders. Now, I don't really want to mess with um, a team that's in desperate straights like the Raiders and, and try and mess around uh, side or total straight up there. But I do like Denver catching eight-and-a-half, getting through the three-and-a-seven in a, uh, a, a low total game, another total that's under uh, 45 points between those two teams. Um, Russell Wilson still trying to find his way. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, 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 and tease up the Broncos and the Cardinals. That's just a standard two leg teaser. Um, you know, minus, uh, one ten gets you, uh, the, the, the hundred, um, any reason to, to be fearful of that one? I do think the Denver Broncos make for a good teaser leg. That game is fascinating. We don't have time to dig into it as much. Um, I think it could be a little bit lower scoring than is being projected. The only thing that concerns me, like I like the Arizona Cardinals on a teaser leg, but looking at that history where they've gotten, they haven't lost close games in this spot. They've gotten blown out in this spot. And if they can keep it close after the first quarter, I believe that they're going to be in for a good good uh, position here to cover your teaser leg, though. Well, that that's good. So that makes me feel pretty good. I'm not going to go uh, too crazy. I'm just going to let those those be out there as the exotics it's it's early in the season let's just let's keep save something for later as as we cook along little money line parlay little two leg teaser speaking of exotics you know how we've been talking about this we're trying to take one beer and turn it into hundreds of beers i can't tell you how many hundreds yet cuz i haven't seen what my insane colleagues we're talking about John Descrimpsey JJ we're talking about Austin Gale we're talking about Raheem Palmer SGP plus we're looking at the one o'clock games on Sunday. Those guys are cooking up multiple legs. There will be at least five legs, possibly more, but that's how you take your $5 beer and turn it into 50, 50 beers. And then that's, that's, that's the way that we get down with the SGP plus. Now I might have to weigh in with those guys. The one last week had, had a bunch of legs that missed. Uh, and, and, you know, the one we gave out the very first week that we got, we came within like two yards of hitting ours. So I might have to jump in with these fellas. Everybody out there is thirsty. We want to turn that $5 beer into 250 beers, 300 beers, beers for everybody. That SGP plus will be up on all of the ringer socials Sunday morning. Keep an eye out for it. The boys are cooking up something good. If they don't do good this week, I'm jumping in though. How about that? Just fix the Thursday night game, NFL. That's the only thing that that we ask. Fix the Thursday night game and 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 fix the weather so that we have some fun games that we're looking forward to aren't going to be turned into uh, San Francisco 49ers, that Chicago Bears monsoon games where nothing happens and we don't learn anything about the teams from it. Um, but that'll do it this week. Thank you guys for listening. The Ringer Gambling Show will be back on Sunday when Raheem shares his top five picks. And of course, we'll continue to have more content next week and all season long, including a special NBA preview show with the East Coast Bias Boys. Thanks to Joe House That's me. for joining me. You're going to be on that one? Are you looking of forward course. to it? Of course. I'm East Coast Bias Boy. Me, Raheem, and, and JJ. Yeah. NBA nice. season. I got to put turn my basketball brain on. When when does the NBA start? I don't even October focus the on 18th. October 18th. the 18th. Okay. So we're in the, we're in the run up. There's preseason basketball. In fact, the Wizards played in Japan against the Golden State Warriors today. Guess who won? <laughs> Not the Wizards. Not the Wizards. Correct. <laughs> Get ready for the season, baby. Yeah, in perfect mid-season form. Thanks uh thanks for everybody. Thanks to Mike Wargon for producing this episode. Everybody good luck this weekend. Have fun. Enjoy the games.